0: You're listening to the Ready, Set, Cloud podcast, a show about trending and difficult topics in serverless and in the cloud. Today, we're talking about feature flags, the little toggles that allow developers to test in production, deploy to segments of their user base, and even tune background processes. I've brought Steve Rice on the show to talk about AWS App Config, the configuration service that drives most of the work-in-progress features inside of AWS itself. Ready, set, Let's go. One, two, three, four. As much as we'd like to believe all development work is greenfield, it unfortunately is not. Companies spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours each year maintaining and enhancing legacy code. Everything from label changes to significant feature sets are added to production systems right before our very eyes. But how do they do it? How do builders keep major work-in-progress features hidden until they're ready? Here to talk to me today about one of the common strategies here is Steve Rice. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Alan. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to spend time with you. Absolutely. Happy to have you. So you're a principal product manager at AWS over AWS AppConfig. Tell me how did you end up in that role?
1: I have been in this role for about three years and my career has been back and forth between engineering management and product management. The past few companies I was at used feature flags quite a bit. We had used some homegrown solutions that we had for feature flagging and then we also had some third-party things that we we're looking at using. And so essentially when I saw the job description for uh, product manager management, for I was very interested and I did something called a loop, which is a interview and, and
0: got the job and absolutely love it. That's really cool. So you said, what I was hinting at in the intro here, uh, feature flags, feature flags is, one of those ways that people can hide work in progress features until they're ready. So tell me about how app config does that.
1: Before we jump into that too, I do like to take a a step back and talk about what are the benefits of a feature flagging? Just sort of the, why, why it's important and I'll spend one minute on this. Really feature flags allow teams to move faster. For example, we have a customer that told us they've increased their deployment frequency by 300% by using feature flags. And it really allows people to decouple a release from a software deployment. Those two kind of things together give teams confidence to move forward really, really quickly. And, and exactly what it is, is, you know, a, a engineer will start to work on a feature. They're going to put a feature flag in front of it so that it is hidden by users, a we'll little toggle. So it's hidden from any of their users. And they can develop this thing and push their code to production, but nobody ever gets to see it because the feature flag is off. And they can keep working on the feature. Once it's ready for people to start looking at it, it's not that they necessarily flip it on for everybody, but they actually can turn it on for a small set of users. Usually it's internal first, then 1% of the users, then 10%, and you can gradually roll out your features, which really allows you to sort of understand what the effect of that feature is going to be on your environment on your reputation, on all these kind of things. So the, the gradual release is, is a key piece of what Afconfig does. So now that's what a feature I I'll talk a little bit about Afconfig. Afconfig is a service. It actually was launched about six years ago internally inside of Amazon. And we use it quite extensively. We're actually a top 30 service inside of Amazon in terms of internal usage. And pretty much everything that we release inside of Amazon has that feature flag behind it. So that code may be pushed to production, but nobody can access it until we're ready for that. And the service became so popular internally that we decided to launch it externally. And through the years at Amazon and AWS, we've made lots of mistakes, even in just how to use feature flags. And so every time we make a mistake, we have a process to make sure that mistake never happens again. And that actually ends up as features inside of AppConfig. A lot of the best practices around feature flagging are features in AppConfig. And AppConfig has these safety features built in. I'd I'd say we're a very safe way to release the software because by default, we gradually release things. We can validate your feature flag data before it's out the, out the door, and we can automatically roll back your feature flag data for you if something goes wrong. And hopefully it's you know, caught in that 1% or that 10% before it really affects all users.
0: Wow. There, there's so much to unpack in, in what you just said. I'm just going to start chiseling away at this mountain of information that you just threw at me. You said a phrase in there that I really, really liked, and I've never thought about feature flags from this standpoint. You said they make a distinction between a release and a deployment. Would you mind clarifying for our audience? What is the difference between the two?
1: I have gray hair. Alan, you can see this. Some of your listeners probably can't. But I've been around the industry for a while, and the way we used to do software deployments was, you know, everybody would get ready and we'd do a deployment, maybe once every two weeks and everything had to be perfect. And we'd run some tests, mainly probably at first, pre-CICD, and something would go wrong. We have to go back to the drawing board and we would miss our deployment dates all the time. What advanced was continuous deployment, basically. And so there's a lot of automation to make sure that stuff is coming out the door on a regular basis. Continuous integration as well. Where feature flags fit in is this idea that we talk about inside of Amazon is continuous configuration. So after the deployment is out there, you can still tweak the behavior of the software and you can turn things on and off. You can adjust the behavior of the software on production by just technically deploying configuration, but you're not deploying code. You're deploying just a small toggle on and off. And that's a super powerful construct for teams. It gives them so much more confidence where, again, the old days, even if if it's just pure CI CD without feature flags, you push some code out to production. If there's a problem, you have to start at the beginning of that process again make the code change, do all the automated testing, get it in a pipeline, get it out the door. And sometimes that can take a while. The idea of I can actually push all this code out already and just tune it with a configuration change, that's the idea of decoupling the release from the code deployment. You don't have to deploy any new code. You just can light this thing up for your users
0: without a code deployment. So that sounds super nice. And the way that you're describing it, it sounds... Exactly as it's called, a feature flag. You know, as developers, we know a flag is typically a Boolean, true or false. Now, I imagine that the feature flags inside of App Config are a little bit more involved than a simple true or false. Can you talk about some more advanced use cases and how can we use AppConfig to evaluate complex scenarios?
1: Yeah, good question. So most of our feature flags that go through the system are Boolean, you know, on and off. We have a built-in mechanism to turn it on gradually. So that's a little separate from the flag data itself. But most of them are on-off, but we do support other types of feature flag data. It might be a number that you want to put in there. And I'll give you an example of this use case. What you might want to do is have a number of background tasks that you're going to allow on something that's going on in your system. We actually did this at a company that I used to work at. We would have this background task. It was nice to have, but it wasn't critical. And so if the machine was running a little bit hot, We might want to say, let's take down the number of simultaneous background tasks that we're going to do. So that number was maybe capped at 10, but with the feature flag data, we'd bring that down to three or something just to limit some of these other processes um, at a given time. And so that's a way to do some operational tuning. It's not really releasing a feature per se, but you're like throttling basically that way. Another use case is actually really throttling. You might have something where you have a multi-tenant infrastructure and you want to be able to set different throttle limits for different customers. So that might be a number that you're setting up and down. And again, it's a feature flag, I guess, technically it's, you know, a little more complex than just a on off We also see customers putting in things like URLs into the feature flag data. And that might be something where they're uh, have a database URL in there, and then they want to switch to a different database. And they might do that through a feature flag to be able to route traffic differently. AFSCAPIG also supports arrays. So we have number arrays and string arrays that you could do. So you can actually put things like allow list and a lot of other kinds of things in feature flags. So if you have allow list or block list, that's it. probably would be done as an array. We feel like, and we hear this from our customers, that that power and flexibility helps them get to the next level operationally to make sure that they're able to tune this thing again without doing a code apply. If you could imagine if they needed to block a user that's causing some problems on production and not just the IP address they want to block, like the, the user ID. If they had to do a full code deploy to get that out the door, that might take a little bit of time. And at that point, the rogue user might have done some damage. And so it's helpful to be able to just very quickly be able to update this through configuration changes and then push it out much more quickly.
0: So you can use these feature flags for turning feature sets on for specific tenants in a multi-tenant environment? And I imagine just based on your description, you could also do this for like different pricing tiers. Like if you have a paid subscription and you have multiple subscriptions in your application, you could say this is a premium only type of feature. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And sometimes that list of what is considered premium changes over time. So it's nice to have that configuration data then rather than hard the code. And so, yeah, you can actually turn things on and do different combinations just with configuration data and feature flags.
0: That's awesome. So let's recap some of these use cases for feature flags. So there's obviously turning actual major features on and off with a simple Boolean. It's on or off for everybody. There's allow lists, which is basically selectively turning something on or off. Uh, You had operational use cases for feature flags where you said you were limiting thread counts for background processes. Are there any other ones? Uh, First, are there any that I'm missing? Then are there any other uh, use cases you can think of for feature flags that we haven't talked about? Yeah, we could talk
1: about A-B testing and what that's all about. So A-B testing really is the idea that you'll get a lot of smart people in a room and they'll have an opinion about whether this should go this way or this way. And and somebody stands up and says, why don't we push this production and run a test and see what the data tells us? I'll use a simple example that you see on amazon.com all the time. What color is the purchase button? You know, is a light green better than a dark green, better than a blue? You'll get opinions in the room on it, but why don't we let the data speak to that? So at the same time, your engineering teams will have different configurations and they'll be able to target one audience with a blue button and one audience with a green button. And they let that run for however long they need it to run. And again, feature flagging allows you to ratchet up and down the percentage. You know, you could start with 50-50 if you want it. Maybe you want to do 90-10 for different reasons too. And at the end of the experiment, you say, which is better? You're optimizing for something. In the case of Amazon, we're optimizing for you know, purchase completion. Um, but, you know, at, at whatever company you work at, you might want to be optimizing for something like, you know, page load time or signups, you know, registration, those kind of things. And so this allows you to really powerfully use the actual production data to
0: get the right result for whatever you want to optimize. So let's talk about front end a little bit. I think the majority of the listeners know the back end fairly well, and they know to interact with any AWS service typically through the use of, of an SDK. So is there a front-end SDK to interact with AppConfig? How would you implement feature flags in the front-end?
1: A couple ways to do that. We're part of AWS and there's a you know, JavaScript SDK, so you could do it that way. What we actually see a lot of customers will do something on the front-end, but they actually will use something like Lambda to, to figure out what gets rendered on the page. So it's not done client-side. It's done front-end, but it's not done client-side. That determination is made before the pages rendered. So that's actually the most common pattern we have. Certainly there are ways to do it so that in the browser, that decision's made. The risk there is that you might get some people that like to goof around with the JavaScript and put this bit and that bit and see what happens. And so you can get actually a little bit of leakage that way. Typically we'll have something like a Lambda function that will figure out how to call app config and then render the page correctly. And actually not to be applied, but we have a workshop For app config, that is specifically that it uses Lambda to, to render a really simple web page about, I think it's like a house rental uh, example, but basically we'll do that determination to, to show, should this feature be shown on the front end or not.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That, that makes complete sense. Server side rendering for that really to sum that up. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about what would be some use cases that you see people try to shove into feature flags that probably shouldn't be there. When would you not want to use them?
1: This doesn't answer your question exactly, but the biggest complaint that people have with feature flags, because they sound great, like it's super powerful and whatever, is that remember that every feature flag is a little branch in your code and people will start to use them a lot and then they don't clean them up. One anti-pattern about using feature flags in general is not cleaning up these feature flags and and your code uh, after the feature is launched. So in the example of I want to launch a new feature, I want to hide it behind a flag, and once I have 100% of my users on it, Really, you need to have a process to go in and clean up that because otherwise you're trying to debug stuff that is branched everywhere and you don't really know what the user saw. On our team, we use feature flags extensively to launch all of our features. When we do a definition and Epic on a feature, there's always the flag cleanup and the, the code cleanup tasks that are added to it. And that's just part of our culture of what we do. So thankfully, we don't have a, a huge problem of a bunch of stale flags. That is a common thing. The AppConfig product has the ability to set a flag as short-term. And then it'll remind you that you have a short-term flag that needs to be cleaned up. We try to give some tools to engineers to, to help. But in the end, the customer needs a culture where they add that to whatever ticketing system they're using to make sure that they clean those things up. What came to my mind first when you asked that question is too many flags. Configuration is excellent that you can put a lot of different things as variables, but in the end, you can have too much so it's just confusing and non-readable code where it's like, wait a minute, what is this? And I don't know really, you know, so overuse of simultaneous flags is also something that we've seen. There's might be a pattern of somebody not using feature flags at all. Then they start to over flag, and then they start to figure out, okay, no, this is the right amount of branching essentially. It really depends on their use case. Like what's been shoved in as a feature flag that probably shouldn't be a feature flag, something I'd say that really you don't think is ever really going to change over time. That might be something that you really want to put as like initialization configuration, but not runtime configuration. There might be some, for example, some environment variables that ought to just stay as environment variables that get read when the Lambda function starts or whatever you're using. Environment variables are great, but if they're not ever going to change, don't put them in as feature flags. It's that kind of stuff. I can't really think of an example off the top of my head where I saw something. I mean, we don't see customer's data, but where I've heard from a customer that like, whoa,
0: that was a feature flag. I haven't heard of that, but more so on the broad level that I was saying of like, sometimes a little overuse. So I want to unpack what you said there. There was something that you said that made me realize a little bit something about it that everybody may or may not know. At the very beginning of that explanation, you said that a feature flag is a branch in your code, and that's literal, like it's a literal branch, right? It's like you have code to evaluate a feature flag, and then more or less there's an if statement. If evaluated to true, do this. If false, do that. Is that right? That's exactly right. And that's, I don't know, something about feature flags to me, but prior to the first time I implemented them, they just kind of seemed and felt like a magical concept where if yeah. I have a feature flag, then all of a sudden things can turn on and off. But no, there's an actual implementation phase when you use them <laughs> that actually go in and logically branch the implementation of your code.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing to think about is what if somebody deleted that feature flag? And how should the code behave? So you do need to think about these things. Don't always assume that you can read the feature. You should always have the default behavior and shell open or close, depending on what makes sense for what you're doing, but make sure that, you know, you, you think that through, because again, it's possible that the, the flag is not readable. And so you don't want your code to just be in a lot of trouble. If it can't read anything, it needs to have a default there. There's another idea I want to talk about, which is branching in your source tree. You need a little branch in there. You want to have a little branch that says, if it's off, do this thing. And if it's on, do this. This part is usually the meatier part of the code. Again, if you have a branch, ideally you don't have two different logic trees that are pretty extensive on there. And you know, sometimes it makes sense to do that. But again, that, that gets back to make sure that you are cleaning up your feature flags or it's really obvious in your code. I, I didn't talk about this. Those operational flags, those will live forever. If, if you're setting throttling limits. You want that to stick around forever, but you can make that in your code. So it's really obvious that where you're getting the data from and what to do with that data so that it's easy to maintain. Can okay. I talk about trunk-based development real quick and yeah, hope I can help with that? So talking about branching makes me think about that. We kind of have a policy inside of Amazon that if you're working on a new feature, the very first thing you commit is that feature flag, And then you put your code behind it. And so that really allows you to develop on the trunk and not do these long-lived feature branches, which... Again, in my experience, those can cause merge problems later, <laughs> and can really complicate your whole pipeline. And it's, it's it's really refreshing to basically put everything on on the trunk, and just the code isn't operating because it's behind the feature flag that's turned off. That's essentially another way to think about how how this can help people move faster. You don't have to do the long the branch merges.
0: And so, by developing on the trunk, you mean pushing to the master branch, right, or the, right. the yes. main branch? Yep. Yep, okay, exactly. So you mentioned Lambda a couple of times and we like serverless on this show. We talk about it pretty much every single episode. Let's talk a little bit about app config, especially with conjunction with Lambda. Now, I know that there's an SDK that you can use to interact with app config, but there's also an extension. Why are there two things and is there a recommended one to use over another? We're part of the AWS SDK. And what that means is you can call AppConfig
1: APIs directly in your code. And when we launched AppConfig, that was the way to use AppConfig inside of Lambda. I think it was about two and a half years ago, something like that, that Lambda launched its extensions model, which is really cool. I recommend checking it out. But basically the extensions are Lambda layers that can do things on your behalf with other services, not just AWS services. There's a lot of cool third-party Lambda extensions. But we looked at this as a use case and thought there's this kind of undifferentiated heavy lifting. I don't know if you've heard that phrase from people from Amazon. We like to use that one, but there's a lot of things that our customers have to do over and over again on their own about getting feature flag data. They have to go and they have to make the call to the service. They have to cache it. It's a good idea to cache the data, even in a Lambda situation to cache the data locally. And then you have to pull for updates because this is runtime configuration. It's not just when the Lambda starts. It says, while wow, the Lambda is running. And then depending on provision currency and all that kind of thing, you could want to keep hitting that configuration data. And so the Lambda extension really does that for you. It does all the caching and the polling and the configuration data is local to that Lambda sandbox. And so performance is much better. You're not making a call to anything else at the time. You're just calling to this local thing. So when we launched that, it caught on quickly and we were really happy with that and our customers really liked it. It's just an easier way to Access data from AppConfig, like feature flag data. The way you do it is the Lambda extension is uh, set up as an HTTP endpoint for localhost, and you can just make calls to localhost in your Lambda function, which is frankly just a little bit easier than some of the things you have to do when you're using the SDK. Not that the SDK is hard, but as I said, does that undifferentiated heavy lifting for you. So your question: Do I have a recommendation? We recommend that customers use the extension because it does the basics. There may be use cases where you want to do some other things that the extension doesn't do. And we'd love to hear from you on that because we're continually developing that extension. But for the most part, I think most doctors would be really happy to be in the
0: event. Okay. So I know a thing or two about caching, given where I work. Does yeah. the extension do things like cache validation? What happens if you go and you toggle one of the feature flags?
1: Yeah, so the extension makes the calls to the service on behalf of of you. So we use the same APIs that are publicly available. We actually first start by generating what we call configuration session token. That gets sent down, and then the extension will do polling and caching. The way it works is by default, the extension will pull every 45 seconds, totally configurable. If you want to choose a different frequency, that's fine. So every 45 seconds is going to pull the app config service and say, is there new configuration data that I should pull down? If there is, it'll get rid of what's in the cache locally and it'll replace it with whatever was on the service. Now, I said, when you're doing a gradual rollout across, maybe you have a lot of lambdas, it'll slowly roll it out across your lambdas. The minute that you publish new configuration data, depending on how you deploy it out, you may or may not get that on that lambda at that moment. This, this is something we talk to customers about. Of course, people like, oh, I want to get the new configuration data immediately. And we say, no, you you actually don't. In most cases, you really don't because a small configuration change can cause a lot of damage. I like to remind customers, well, I don't like to, but I do remind customers in 2017, there was a big outage for S3 and the outage was caused by a typo in a configuration file. And if you can imagine S3 went out in US uh, East 1 and and it was a big deal. we made these mistakes and we figured out you got to roll these things out slowly so that you can measure the blast radius of, of an error. So you can roll things out slowly, you can actually also push things out immediately if you want it, but that, again, we see that as an pattern. You can do that through app config if you want to push this thing to all your lambdas all at once, but again, try to avoid that temptation because that will erase the ability
0: for you to really measure the effect of that change. Gotcha. okay, that was a wonderful answer. Thank you for that. yeah, I'm going to ask you one last question. Why would people use app config over a company that does just feature flags like LaunchDarkly.
1: Great. I have been a user of LaunchDarkly. I love LaunchDarkly. They're a great solution. What I'd say is you want to have the right tool for the right job. Feature flags, I think, are starting to take off. And there's others besides LaunchDarkly. Of course, there's a lot of other Mm -hmm. great solutions out there. There's plenty of room for, for multiple solutions. I think AFConfig's differentiators are, one, we're part of the AWS ecosystem. So we have these native integrations that are just easy and built in. So if you're fully bought into the AWS ecosystems, I think it might be easier to onboard with something like like Appconfig versus a third-party solution. Not necessarily, but you know, that there's that. We also have this big emphasis on deployment safety to make sure that the feature flags are safe to use. And by default, we have the ability to validate that data. I was given that example of a you know a number of, of background tasks. And you might want to say, I never want anybody to ever type in more than 50. The example I was giving you, might be a production issue that you're trying to address quickly, and you might accidentally put in 500 instead of 50 and cause a problem. Well, you can put this little validator in there that says, you know, it's using JSON schema that says before this change is accepted, I want to make sure that it's, it's validated. So that, that's kind of nice, and, and that's something that is somewhat unique to App Config. We also have this automatic rollback thing that I didn't really talk a lot about that I really like. Essentially, you can hook up a CloudWatch alarm so that uh, during your deployment of your feature flag, if something goes wrong and a CloudWatch alarm sounds off, AppConfig uh, will automatically instantly roll back that change. And again, that's part of the AWS, how we operate thing of rollback liberally and frequently. We have a lot of security things built into. So a lot of our customers, you asked about what types of data are, are really feature flags. I mean, we have people that use secrets in their feature flag data. And so essentially we have an integration with Secrets Manager to make sure that that's very safe and you can keep your secrets over somewhere else and then deploy them through AppConfig. So our emphasis, not surprisingly because we're AWS, is on you know availability and security and and all that. So those are probably our biggest differentiators.
0: I love it. And that's a very compelling argument. So we're at the end of the time. If anybody has any questions or wants to learn more about app config, how would they either get a hold of you or do a little bit of learning on their own?
1: Yeah. Probably the best place to go is. I'm going to give you a URL, slash AWS appconfig. Uh, we'll take you to our landing page. Searching for that for AWS appconfig or feature flags, AWS or something like that, we'll have to point you to there. For me, I'm actually not huge on Twitter, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So hit me up in LinkedIn. If you are part of the uh, community builders, I'm, I'm in there. So you can
0: hit me up there, Steve Bryce. Those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'll put a link to everything that you just said in the show notes and we'll make you accessible. Awesome.
1: Alan, I really appreciate the time. It's been awesome to be able to talk about app config and more importantly, feature flags and how it can help people. But you know, I really appreciate you making time for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's an important subject that can protect you. But really, it's all about production, right? It's about making sure that you provide a good, meaningful, durable user experience when you're undergoing active development. It, it should be in everybody's developer palette. Definitely agree. All right. Well, thank you again, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Alan. Take care. That's it for this episode of the Ready, Set, Cloud podcast. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on the latest episodes. For more info on trending cloud topics, be sure to visit readysetcloud.io and sign up for the Serverless Picks of the Week newsletter. I'm Alan Helton, and we're out of here. No oh. money.